0: Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack. And this week we've got a real treat for all the print geeks out there. I know that you listen to this. Nick Loring and Pat Randall make Double Dagger magazine, the beautiful big letterpress thing that we delivered to stack subscribers in October last year. Nick is normally up in Shipley and Pat is normally in Cheltenham, but they were in London yesterday, so they dropped in at Somerset House to speak about why they love letterpress so much. As you'll hear both of them came from families of printers so ink is genuinely running through their veins and you can hear the excitement in their voices as they start to talk about the evils of photopolymer plates and the simple beauty of moving type around to create a true letterpress layout. They talk about the freshness and the precision of the print in Double Dagger, and it really is worth seeing it for yourself. Of course, if you subscribe to Stack in October last year, you'll already have your own copy, so you can just go and refer back to that. Uh, but if you're not one of our subscribers, head over to doubledagger.co, that's doubledagger.co, uh, to buy a copy of Issue 2 while you still can. Issue 1 is sold out and has been for a long time, and I'm sure that Issue 2 is going to go the same way and then obviously once you've done that go and subscribe to stack two because if you like these podcasts you will love getting the magazines delivered to your door okay that's the end of the special sales messages here's my conversation with nick loring and pat randall from double dagger Alright, so thank you very much for coming over to the office and seeing us over here. Thanks for having us. You're, you're not in London normally, right? No, never. No, well, never. maybe once a
1: year I'm in London, so this is a real treat to be asked to come. So thanks for inviting us <laughs> here.
0: Alright, so tell us then who are you, where are you normally, and what you do there? Uh, I'm Nick. Uh, I live in a small, cold
2: northern town called Shipley uh, in West Yorkshire. Uh, I'm a printer. Designer, tinkerer, etc.
1: <laughs> and I'm Pat, and I'm from Cheltenham. So, uh, and my father was a printer. Well, he still is a printer. Um, so I grew up around print, and um, and I met Nick really through print. And well, I guess we'll come on to talk about um, how we met and how the paper started. But um,
0: well, let not, let's not come
1: on to it. Tell
2: us. How, okay. how are you two get together? Okay. Well, we were doing some stuff. I mean, I, Pat, me. Have, been around print in different ways. My parents were printers as well, but in a slightly different kind of way. And um, So yeah, got into printing, um, and I carried on printing in some way or form, and ended up getting involved with something called a milk float, pink milk float, was happened. And it was sort of happened at one of the open days. There was a guy basically turned up it. Whittington Press, as an open day every year, um, which is a chance for the press to show What it does, um, and it's quite an established thing. And this milk float appeared, and there was a guy driving this milk float, and there's a printer press on the back of the milk float. And I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! Like, check (laughs) this out. (laughs) You know, it's like totally like low tech. It's like, you know, it's battery powered, it's solar powered. It's no, doesn't need doesn't need any fuel or anything like that. And it's got all this wooden type on the back, so you just make it
1: needed plugging into our electric power, didn't it? it? Yeah, Yeah, Jesus, it was there for about about three weeks charging up that thing, and then
2: and, uh, and it, so you turned up at that and then that was the first time I met Pat and then that's kind of how it came about We sort of, from that point onwards that was the that the Glastonbury Free Press thing happened the, the year after essentially and um, I got asked to go because I knew the guy on the milk float and he was looking for a Heidelberg operator and so uh, my natural inclination was to ask Pat because he could operate one and that was the start of the madness and the so, so you that met was at an open
0: day at your... Yeah. Print That's print right, print yeah, print at Whittington.
1: Yeah. And um, and then the following summer, we went on to do Glastonbury Free Press. So Glastonbury had always, uh, the, the, the music festival, had it, it always had a, a daily newspaper. But it's actually every, every other day. Three, three days of the festival, there's a paper. And I think they got um, one of the music magazines, like Q... Um, to actually publish the newspaper and bring it out on those days, but they had the idea of um, for that year of bringing it all in house, buying a Heidelberg letterpress printing press cylinder machine and um, and printing the newspaper on site there in a field yeah, in a field yeah they actually um by two hundred
2: thousand people yeah yeah
1: <laughs> it was a, it, was a, it was a pretty crazy idea really, because those printing machines they need quite a stable environment to to operate fully and so i think everybody thought it was a stupid idea but you know it was a chance to go to the festival and see what see what was going on and um but it went
2: spectacularly wrong didn't it um so the linotype the the, the kit had been left out in the field with no cover on it and (laughs) i I don't know anything about
0: printing but i'm going to tell you that i don't (laughs) think that's a good idea electricity
2: and water (laughs) it doesn't really mix and i'm not very good with that kind of stuff and it yeah so basically the electrician thought that was the reason and it blew up the machine the linotype which was actually a that's the
1: machine for making the the lead which yeah. which is a printing surface that you print from the the, the lead characters so that was all knackered basically the the, the motor blew up on it and um, and so we were kind of left there and instead we just printed posters didn't we yeah. for the whole festival which was uh, Shouldn't, it was much more fun, really, than, than slogging away <laughs> over a newspaper. <laughs> we just got to pour a load of fluorescent ink in the back of the machine and make up these posters. Nick made up some some great prints, really, and um, and and people what were queuing. We it was it was brilliant to stand there and you just see like lines of people as as far as you can see waiting to pull these posters off the back of the press. It was really good fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um and the people that were there got involved in setting the the big type. It was really big wood type poster prints that we were making. So it was great fun. And then on and then on a Sunday they were like, please we really need to get a some sort of a thing that looks like a newspaper at, at the end of this. Um <laughs> <laughs> just one copy. Please uh, so um so the, the the problem that we were having was that the the letters couldn't be made and um what they did was they did a thing called um they, they printed the newspaper, we, we did get a newspaper done and it was printed from photopolymer and photopolymer is different from, should I say, real letterpress because you're printing from a raised surface, a plate that has been generated by a photographic um, negative. And, um, and so if you imagine, we're just looking at double uh, dagger, if you imagine a whole page of type like this is made, in our Paper is made up of individual characters. The whole page of type from printing a photopolymer plate is one plate. So I mean, for us, it's cheating really. And, it's and more, um, it's more it, like litho it makes a mockery of well, it. So it's it's closer to litho. Exactly. Print, so yeah. I mean, from my point of view, the problem with it, with it is the creative part of it. It's done on a computer screen. And the plate is sent off to the plate maker and the printer becomes somebody who smashes a plate for a printing press instead of doing anything creative um, composition wise.
0: And so, so, okay, so you have this like crazy and fun and maybe frustrating experience at Glastonbury, you end up printing with the photopolymer stuff. Yeah. But then that obviously leaves you with the ambition to make something that is a newspaper or newspaper format and that is letterpress true letterpress yeah it was the
2: spark really That's, it says it in there isn't it I think it's a spark mm. that you whatever know, was, was ever one that just needed you know was, was was conjured up at the bottom of a field you know and a in a way, so, we wanted
1: to prove that it could be done properly, you know, where, where these people were saying, oh, yeah," Because
2: no. we went back the next year and they were like, Oh, photo
1: polymer plates, brilliant, let's go. So the, it's like the, the, the genius, genius, <laughs> <Brilliant>, <laughs> <Yeah. geniusly laughs> yeah. le- low, the bottle yeah. in
2: a way. So it meant that that was the, the model that would be kind of tried out every year. And as the years rolled on, the kind of the roles that we, we had involved, we, we had there kind of were not as interesting as you were the first year. First year was complete and utter anarchy. Second year was kind of a bit like that. But as, as years, years moved on, it just wasn't like that. So there was that... That element of fun and the unpredictability, the unpredictability really. and the creativity mm. that real letterpress can oh. actually provide for people who even don't even do it, or for the people that do it, and then it actually what what it actually comes out of the machines, it's, it's kind of lost. It becomes very soulless. And, and yes, so like double dagger is some sort of antidote, or at least some kind of response. It's our, to our reaction it, to that,
1: isn't it? And so our response exactly to no. okay. So, so you you've
0: teased, you've teased us with the with this double dagger a couple of times. So tell us what is double dagger.
2: Don't look at me. All right, well, all right. it's 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 it's
0: it's a, it's
2: a it's a periodical, a journal, it's a paper, it's it's a thing that we produce, and I think it's 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 about people that we like who are working in the world of letterpress. It's not necessarily strictly all about letterpress, but it's it's about our experiences working in that world and it's also about the people that we've bumped up against or come up against or not come up against That sounds like we're fighting them but we've come up you know next to or whatever and and we admire those people and i think there's there's an element of so we do our own printing i'm shipley and pats and shelton and we both do different things but the Kind of stupid idea of doing this was the fact that you know we wanted to make something that had images and words in and we just not just images it, it needed to be there needed to be content in there that was interesting, thought provoking, inspiring. Either whether you wanted to be a printer or you were a printer or you had no interest in printing whatsoever, you know, we kind of hoped that people might kind of get it. And you know, understandably, there's probably articles in there like that are really high tech and really kind of jargonistic, but there are others that aren't. So it's there's a, there's well, a you mixed see, I don't style. think there are because okay. so we, we sent yeah. this out. Yeah on
0: stack in October last year and it's one of the ones that we got the strongest response to Okay, just oh, straight, away. straight away but, 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 because I think you're doing something that is so just immediately obviously different to the other stuff that, is, that you see out there but the, I mean, I am not a designer. I know virtually nothing about typesetting <laughs> and letterpress and all that. But the, it's it, you it's totally it. accessible. Yeah, you, you, yeah, can yeah, you can doing. see what
2: you're doing. Yeah, I think that's, that's the thing. It's the three. It's, it's a physical thing, isn't it? That, I mean, our whole relationship with this magazine is it's, it's it's a physical relationship. You know, there is there is elements of graph uh, design on a computer that are, that are taken on board for each issue, but it is it's it's a physical thing. It's it's wrangling with these beasts and these objects that are actually sometimes are real pain in the neck to use because i certainly come through digital world and know how to use that stuff whereas pat has in a way but in some respects his his background is far much more like working with these physical things so in some respects it's almost like you know i'm going backwards and it's harder for me to do this than it is maybe for you i don't know if that mm. makes sense because it's almost like this is part of your like blood in it really you've grown up with this so it's kind of, it's a really weird thing. We're in a weird situation where I guess, we're all in this world, the digital world, where we, we're now kind of bumping up against these things. We're going, this is a physical thing. We can actually touch this and feel it and smell it. Yeah. And it's a real thing. It seems like we've lost that somewhere in our lines. And it's not just us that are saying that, it's loads of people saying that. And I guess then that feeds into the idea about producing magazines that are actually about interesting things, which is obviously what Stack's in, you know, promoting. I think, it's, you know, I think by virtue of it, being
1: um, produced by using these different tools and these different methods. That's the reason it looks different. It's because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not produced on a four color light press or or what have you. And, um, and what we've tried to do throughout is experiment with using different techniques. So we've got the the traditional kind of printmaking um, things going on with, with the use of lino cuts and, and brass rules and so on. Um, but the front cover is, Printed from a, a laser-cut piece of plaques, plastic. Well, what, what do you call that stuff? Acrylic. Acrylic. Perspex, Acrylic. Yeah. Um, and and that was really the first time. Well, it's the first time that I've run that through a Heidelberg, and and so it's it's as much as anything um, uh, uh, an experiment really, and and there are parts of it. On this front cover, I'm looking at it now, and um, it's not perfect. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, um, there's there's like an unevenness, which which perhaps is appealing to the um, to your average punter, yeah. but but to me. Um, I, next time, I won't be using it. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be back to that wood that, that it has that sheen on it that, that prints better. So, yeah, I, you know, yeah. there are things going on here, which um, it's done in a bit of a rush. We print this over over a month. I print it in um, August, both both years. And, and both times, it's taken me a month. And um, I could have spent three months printing it, really. But, but there comes a point at about three o'clock in the day where you have to press the button and, and run the machine. Otherwise, you're not going to get that print run done in a day. And, and so so the, there the, the, compromises the machine
0: bit. that you're using then so you've mentioned the Heidelberg a couple of times yeah so the, like tell us a little bit about like where this machine come from how old is it what is the Well the problem? Heidelberg
1: cylinder is is kind of like the Rolls-Royce of the <laughs> letterpress era and it was it's a late 60s early 70s when they probably stopped making them um and that was really the height of letterpress and then after that period mid 70s it, it all changed over so really leather press these that that machinery um was at its best at, at that point and and this um there are quite a few heidelberg cylinders still going because they use them commercially for cutting and creasing cardboard and, and things like that they, they do still have uses which um which um which make it commercially viable to, to kind of have one um and they're beautiful machines. They um, they run like cl- clockwork, really, and, and they need very little maintenance. We have a Heidelberg engineer who maybe comes out once every four or five years or something like that. Um, but um, so the yeah, bed, they, bed. they run like
2: a dream, really. The, the, bed, uh, rule, the bed moves, doesn't it, with everything on it? So <laughs> it's quite different to some of the other presses. Like so, there's different types of letterpress printing presses. But this, this, yeah. so they, they operate with a, a plate or a platen, which which squashes the type and the paper together. Whereas the cylinder, the whole bed with the type and the like, the plates or blocks or whatever in it. Is, all moves and you can you can go faster so that this thing moves even faster and you've got to be really careful that nothing in that bed that's moving at that speed is is going to work loose because if it works loose it's going to fly out it's going to fly out (laughs) the the machine and it has been known that bits of the press have flown out at the end of the machine and it's gone through walls and stuff and that and, you know so it's quite is it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh yeah I'll take you that yeah. later <laughs> but like no. so there's it's kind of you know it's it's Heidelberg made two machines it's the platen and the cylinder and I've got I've got a platen and Pat's got a cylinder and a and a, and a, and a, and a plan, and they're like, they're just they're like the Rolls Royce printing presses everybody knows them, they're like common you know, like, and and, you know, they're still in in business now at Heidelberg, but it's it's all changed, and I think, you know, it goes back to this sort of print, print isn't dead or whatever it's the fact that, you know, printing has changed in the last 20 years, and I remember when printing went from sort of offset two or three colors to digital and it changed and and that meant it was on demand and everybody could have it whenever they wanted to and they've got an inkjet printer now and they can print their own business cards and stuff but everybody knows you know like they're not that great you know and stuff Um. i mean the the thing about them is you can really roll on a big thick layer of
1: ink which you can't really do on an offset machine can you and so when you pick this thing up i mean i'm just sniffing it it really smells like the ink is attacked into the paper, um, and, and, you, it, you, and that's you get, what gives it a life, you know? You, and you get storm. these
0: amazing, like, <laughs> deep resonant colors yeah, and incredibly yeah. crisp lines as yeah, well. The, yeah. I think the, the thing yeah. that struck me when I, when I saw it for the first time is, here's this thing that is, I mean, it's a really old technique that's in right. terms of letterpress, being run off a 50-year-old machine, but giving you these results that just look so completely fresh and new. Mm. Yeah, well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, I guess but, it kind of, it kind of, there's a there's no of kind of theory to think about. Letterpress is supposed to be—it's supposed to look knackered, and it's supposed to be kind of really badly printed, and that, or it, it can be. This, this is, there's, there's, there's loads of examples of, of where letterpress printing yeah. is absolutely like, you know, the Rolls Royce. It's the pinnacle of, in a way. Mm. There's a kind um, of a
1: fetishisation in, in, yeah. in letterpress where if you get a piece of wood type. Okay. Wood, uh, t- t- letters above 72 point uh, um, are made into wood um, for the f- f- purely for the weight factor. But um, if you've got a piece of wood and you're printing from it and it's showing the signs of uh, having been knocking around a print shop for 50 years and the grain's coming up and it's got all dents all over it, people really like that. And, and that's become a kind of a, as I was saying, uh, that word fetish, fetish. And um, and I think we try and avoid that, really, don't we? We, oh, we right, want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. We like, like
2: the solidness qu- that it's clean, uh, you
1: know, we, and stuff. We like. want to make the equipment work to its best capabilities, yeah, as, as much as as uh, possible.
0: And thinking about the content as well. So you've talked about there being stuff in here about design and, and about typography. Mm-hmm. In the second issue, in particular, the sort of one we sent out, I felt like there was a, a kind of uh, an undercurrent of like maybe subversion or or like kind of protest I mean in a very obvious way there's like there's um, Stanley Donwood's piece about well his his prints and then also his piece about him being like, mm. is it in like the London riots or yeah. something? And he yeah. ends up like wetting himself yeah. under a yeah. <laughs> <in> Tesco, <isn't laughs> <it? Yeah. laughs> under a yeah. knocked over shelf in Tesco. What, well, like, where, where's well, this come from?
2: I th- I, well, maybe it's not from me necessarily, but I think there's there's. What, the well, I, what, what do you want to say? <laughs> oh,
1: well, <I> <laughs> what we're trying to do. Well, what we have done is, is asked instead of asking um, people who are academics who can write um, good articles. What we've done is asked people who are. Makers, haven't we really? Yeah. And people who are artists, or people who are making wood. I'm thinking we have us now. People who make the wood type, people who are lino cutters, um, people who are actually doers, are not necessarily good at writing, really. And I think if you're prepared to knock around a workshop or a shed as a way and a means of making your income and your living, then to some extent you are kind of on the fringes, and um, and and you have to have some sort of a mentality that that doesn't care about commercial uh, making b- being successful in a financial sense or or the trappings of things associated with that it's it's um so, so i think the kind of people that are in here um reflect tend that. to uh, tend to reflect that in some way yeah, right?
2: I, I think i think yeah it's there's, there's an element of we come from two worlds of printing or self-publishing, really, so there's the Whittenden Press, and I come from, like, f- making fanzines and stuff, so that's, like, born out of the punk, you know, the world of punk and stuff, DIYC. And I think, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a there's a number of currents that run through those two worlds, but also there's, sort of, the fact that, you know, Dennis Gould is a friend of ours, like, he's a poet, and, uh, like, a anarchist poet, and he's a printer, and he's been involved with, like, sort of, like, CND, and an older in, like, marches and stuff in the, in the 50s. and there's, there is a there is a sort of spirit of I suppose of like people who have got printing presses. They can this this stuff is old. It's knackered. It's it's free. It's going to the scrapyard. You can make something of this and, and like even in this issue, Spike talks about that from World and Press. It's sort of it's about this this thing that kind of just keeps giving. And, and if you've got a voice or you've got an ability or. A, Kind of way, you, if you want to be creative, the printing press can will allow you to be that way, and it's not with any commercial like constraints. So sort of what Pat was sort yeah. of saying, so that there's loads of those loads of like really interesting people are involved with letterpress, and it's not always letterpress, but there is lots of people, and there is you know I come from the DIY sort of sort of scene anyway, so it's sort of some of those subversive things you know maybe come by me in a yeah. way, but it's sort of like but you know there is. You know we're living in a world it's not a very nice place and stuff and i think it's kind of interesting to be able to like kind of at least sort of put some of these ideas in there and just see. you know it's not necessarily that we're we're, we're kind of we have a, a platform that we're going to use to sort of um profess you know certain ideas it's just you know we just it's kind of gentle in some respects but there is there is an intent in terms of like a better world i guess and you know the, this is about community and and when it's it's Looking at that community and the people that are involved in it, and seeing what they do, and hopefully by making this magazine, we can help promote them so that obviously they get across to a wider audience. Of course, it's the internet which does that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but, but you know, it's it's yeah, it's useful. The internet's great, but it, it's not it's not physical, is it? And that's that's kind of. You know, you know, it's kind of part of it, isn't it? We have to, we we are kind of stuck with using the internet to promote this thing, and we are actually, you know, seeing people who are involved or have been involved in Door on the internet. We haven't we haven't come across everybody just in person, but it, it means that in a way, you know, we're we're building links sort of across barriers, across borders and stuff, um, which is what the, the sort of the scene I was involved in before used to do anyway. So it's sort
0: of it's kind of a bit of that, really. I think and, that's good. And so can we look forward to issue three coming this summer then?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's due. It's, we're working on it right now, aren't we? So, yeah, exactly. You know, done, it
1: takes a long time. Yeah. Um, the typesetting will begin in maybe mid-March. So, uh, so at the moment, we're getting the articles together and the artwork together um, because every piece of... Every letter has to be typeset in lead and then proofed up and sent out to the um, authors for corrections. Mm-hmm. Um, come back to us. So it's, it's quite a long process, and to be able to print in um, in August.
2: Yeah, it's about four, four yeah. months, isn't yeah. it? And it's Off the, and the, on. the I guess there's a, a brutal irony in this, the fact that. We live in two different places, and you would yeah. think that because you know we live in the, in the world of the internet, you can you can send PDFs backwards and forwards to each other, and that, and you can live anywhere. You could live on an island and produce a magazine, but we don't, and it's quite interesting being in a situation where like we can't work like that. It's it's very physical. It takes quite a long time. Sometimes you know it doesn't always quite work, and you know things change, and like when we're on even working on the you know on the press. Things will change on press, and that's not like a normal thing. That's a scary thing, really, for some people. They go, like, "Oh, you can't do that," you know, because we agreed it and stuff. But this changes, and that's 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 you know, so we. So it's a just living a thing, thing the whole yeah, way through, it's all the way through, you know. It, it can be, you know, so like the, the run of that front cover, may, you know, the colour of that will change as the run progresses and stuff, there'll be little things in yeah. there that will make it different. I remember I went out of yellow at about 3,000. <laughs> that would change the colour, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, and like some of the ink that was used on the inside and stuff that, you know, that, Pat started just pouring like all this kind of ink and stuff and it was a really weird smell in the press for three or four days. So, it, you know, it, it's, so I guess we're, we, we produce a magazine that we print ourselves you know we design and print it ourselves so that makes it kind of it's not particularly a new idea but it, in terms of like the effort that's involved to make something that's using metal type and you know wood engravings or whatever so mm. it's, it's quite sufficiently stupid but it's but quite to modern. answer your question yeah.
1: we're, uh, number three is coming up isn't it and um, yeah. and we've actually got more than enough stuff we, we've got filling up number four as well really at the same time so it's um, it's hard to make the decision of where, to, editorially, where to, where to focus.
0: All right, it's well, thank you very much for coming over and talking about it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that said when it comes out. Well, thanks for having us, Steve. It's been great this. to meet you. Thank
2: yeah. you. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Nick and Pat for coming over to the office and giving us a taste of life in the print workshop. I love the sense of liberation and absolute independence that comes from being able to print your own magazine. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with that third issue this year if you've enjoyed this one you should definitely go and check out our previous episodes just search for Stack magazines on soundcloud or itunes and you'll find loads of conversations with independent magazine makers and of course if you follow us while you're there we'll be able to deliver next week's episode straight to you as soon as it's ready thank you very much for listening and we'll be back with another episode next week